I guess we should start by saying we're recording on the afternoon of June 24th, 2022. We're flying by the seat of our pants today. We're shocked. We're upset. Uh, we, 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 like many, we don't know what to do yet. If you can march, you should march. If you have money to give abortion funds, you should give to abortion funds. The important thing right now is that abortion is remains legal in some number of states. There are abortion funds that will bring people from states where it is illegal to states where it is legal. Travel is paid for. Uh, lodging is paid for. The actual medical procedure is paid for. Your name is kept um, private. No one will ever know. Uh, we'll put links and show notes to the National Abortion Fund Network, which makes sure that you are connected. I will also, I live in New York City, I will also put in show notes information on the New York City Abortion Access Fund, um, where you literally can call, it's all volunteer staffed, the phones are all volunteer staffed, um, you are kept anonymous, and uh, you can get to New York City itself um, to do that. This infrastructure is already in place, right? If you are angry and mad right now, you don't have to go out and create something new. You have to support what's already there. I think it's also, though, incumbent upon us to say this: they are not going to stop here. So it is important to, like, feel your anger and feel your rage and then figure out how we how we fight. I, I don't think we have much more to say right now because we're just as devastated as anyone. Let's be there for each other. Yeah, we're here for you. We're allowed to experience like joy and happiness too. So we are going to resume with our previously scheduled. We're going to talk about romance novels. And if now is not the time for you to do that, you just want to hear us be angry, you can go ahead and save this for another day. Go back and listen to our Big Mad episode. Yeah. We'll put links and show notes to that too. And to Elda Minger's episode, which is the next Trailblazer that will have a transcript done. Elda said a lot of things far more eloquently than Jen or I ever could. So anyway, we love you. Listen, Jen, I have a problem. Yeah. You know I want to spend money today, <laughs> aside from emptying my daughter's college funds fund into the abortion access network this morning. Yeah. Um, I want to spend some money today because, you know, um, what what's it called? What do we call that? Shopping therapy. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, capitalism will fix um, it, sure. <laughs> so I want to go out and buy something just nonsense. But I have a problem because... Retail therapy, Sarah. Retail therapy, thank you. But I, uh, <laughs> last week, I was shredding so hard on my ukulele <laughs> that I broke it. <laughs> like the strings or the actual body of the instrument? Okay, so I I apologize to the musicians in the crowd because I don't know any of the names for any of the pieces of the ukulele. <laughs> but there is... I think it's called a fretboard. No, that feels wrong to me. I don't know. There's like the part at the bottom of the instrument where the strings attach. Okay. And it literally flew off the ukulele and all the strings broke. Wow. (laughs) And it's because I was rocking so hard. What song was it? Can I ask? I mean, was it like Metallica? (laughs) (laughs) Was it like... like Nine Inch Nails, you. bow down before the one you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. I'm embarrassed to say it was probably, it was a song off of Harry Styles' new album. Listen, I don't <laughs> think anybody, any of us should be embarrassed about loving Harry Styles. So, I mean, he's a delight. He he's is. Soft, lovely delight. He is. Harry Styles probably gave a lot of money to abortion funds today, and I support that. Don't say that. <laughs> he's still a man. <laughs> Good point. Okay, fine. Um, 
No, I mean, uh, thanks to all the cis men who are out there, you know, saying sure. they're mad too. Good for you. Uh, so I have to buy a new ukulele. Yeah, well. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a really nice ukulele. And then I discovered I know nothing about ukuleles. I own two of them. But yeah, in terms of that level. And, and as Eric pointed out, you own two of them, but you want to replace one of them. And it's because I don't like the other one very much. Can you trade in the other one and then you can feel justified in... I just don't know. it. Listen, if you're out there <laughs> listening to us today, laughing at me, shredding... <laughs> Doing the island strum on my tiny guitar. Um, and you actually, but literally, if you're out there and you know anything about um, ukuleles, including, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. I know I'm supposed to call it an ukulele. Oh, I didn't know that. But if you, so if you know anything about them and you have a recommendation for me, let me know. I'm on Instagram. Jen is on Twitter. We talk to each other every day. So, you know, you can just <laughs> either of exactly. us. Well, I had to replace my AirPods because I lost them in Vegas. See, that's solid retail therapy. That's yeah. You don't have to do very much research. No, you're like, I need these things. Steve Jobs did it for you. Yeah, exactly. So we were talking about what our topic should be today, and we actually, as if you have not yet filled out our listener survey. Oh yeah, wait, pause. Let's talk about the listener survey because I realized the only people who have who have filled it out, and many thank you in advance to all of you who have filled it out because there are like hundreds, couple hundred people so far. Yeah, um, but there are only people who follow us on on social media. So there are people listening right now who do not follow us on social media. Who do not know. Okay, so talk about the survey and why it's important. Every year we run a listener survey where we get to listen to you for a little while. You like how I did that? Mm-hmm. We put you in our ear holes. Oh, look at that. See, this is workshopping. <laughs> so what we do is we ask you a bunch of questions about how you listen to Faded Mates, how long you've listened to Faded Mates, um, what you like about the show, whether or not you listen to parts of what, what episodes you like the best, whether or not you want to have merch, what kind of merch you'd like, whether or not you would like us to start a Patreon, whether or not you would like a Faded Mates book club. All sorts of ideas that we cook all year round and then decide we're going to throw up in this survey and let you tell us what to do. So uh, please go to the Faded Mates website, fadedmates.net, and there is a button immediately on that landing page, and it says, Take the Survey. And you can just click it. It's about a 10-minute survey. If you, like, fill out all the, all the like, long-form answer questions, it's about 10 minutes of your life. We're very grateful to you for yeah. it. You can – it is anonymous. Um, we do not collect your email addresses as a matter of course. And we are not linking your email addresses to the rest of your data at all. No. So you can tell us the truth and we won't know who you are. Um, and you can also put – your email address in at the very end of the survey, and that um, email will come to us and be entered into a, basically a giveaway. We'll choose three of you at random globally to win like a Faded Mates prize pack with some books of authors we really love and maybe some of my books, possibly a heartbreaker Ooh. galley could sneak in there, and um, some Faded Mates gear. So that's at fadedmates.net. Click on take the survey. And so one of the reasons I brought it up was 
because one of the questions is, is there like a topic for an interstitial that you think would be great? Because we get a lot of good ideas from you all. Mm -hmm. So one of the ones we immediately were kind of floating around in our existential dread (laughs) and saw a really great idea topic, which we decided we are like, let's just do this. So whoever was out there that gave us this topic, thank you. It was books you can't put down. What makes a book unput downable? And that is, I think, especially an important thing right now when it's so hard to focus and so hard, right, for us to read and have things that, like, give us that feeling of really, like, escape and and being swept away into a a better place. Uh, The reason why many of us love stories, no matter whether you had them in a book or TV, right? Like, I think a lot of us right now would really value that. So... We decided to each come back to the table with a couple of unputdownable books. But as always, one of the reasons I like topics like this is because it's all it's also just really fun to talk about like, well, how do you come up with that list? What does that even mean? Right? What is what does it mean to you to have a book be unputdownable? Um, so that's today's topic. Yeah. And it was hard. This was harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, this will be great because sure. like unputdownable. <laughs> I mean, like surely I can name 40,000 books. That well, oh, about. we also tried to challenge ourselves to talk about books that we have not talked about. Uh, now, I, I don't know the will entirely. I think one of mine I've mentioned before maybe, but like really try and think like, okay, let's bring something new to the table rather than so I think that was the added layer of difficulty. It's easy to talk about the books I don't put down that I've already talked about with y'all 800 million times. Yeah, so I, and then of course, because I was thinking about it today, then I was sort of like, well, but there's also like unput downable because of, yeah. like initially I thought, okay, well, how will I make it different than the quick and dirty episode, right? Yeah. Which um, is, is really about like propulsive reading of a series. Right, and a lot of that to me is like the KU, right, where you just go from one to the next, like Ice Planet Barbarians, for example, right, or, mm-hmm. you know, those ones you love by um, London Hale, or, uh, you know, the ones I love by um, uh, Brill Harper. Harper, right? Or, say, the Immortals After Dark series. So that, to me, I mean, I definitely had some of that, but then I was instead thinking, like, okay, those are unputdownable just because they're short and, like, fast. Like, the chapters are quick, right? But I tried to, like, think to myself, okay, in other books, like, other books, like, not that kind of, you know, 150-page KU erotic romance, which they're mm-hmm. unputdownable. I'm not even sad to say that. Yep. And I, so, I, you know, as always for me, I was, like, thinking about like kind of buckets, like, right, how would I bucket these? And I think for me, a book becomes unputdownable when it is one of three things. When it's really hot, when it surprises me, or when someone is going to (laughs) die. Sure. I think that's accurate. I have three buckets too, and they're slightly different. (laughs) Oh, wait, I have one other one a story where there is a battle of wills between main characters. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I really love, I found it that, like, it for it to be unputdownable to me, and what I mean by that 
I started thinking, like, what does that mean, right? Because there are so, so many hot KU books Mm -hmm. where it's unputdownable for me because it's like, I'm definitely going to finish this Mm -hmm. in, like, an hour and a half. Right. Right? So there's, like, a speed thing. Yes. But what I was really thinking about when I think about unputdownable is, like, what are the books that when you're not reading them, you're like, I got to get back to my book. Yeah. Okay. And so for me, like, yeah, obviously, like, I like my romance hot, so whatever. That's sort of a standing order for me. Um, But the the buckets for me are, like, they have to be either incredibly emotional, Mm -hmm. meaning, like, I'm worried about the characters or, like, invested in the characters when I am not there. Yeah. And I think, like, as readers, we have all had this experience of, like, doing the dishes and sort of randomly a thought comes into your head that's like about a person and yeah. then you realize maybe this is just me but then and then I'm like oh no that's like not a person i know that is the character, a character in the book in the book that we are like i wonder what is going to happen in my book next and that is a really delicious that's such a common experience for me in romance because i love romance so much that but i actually think it's not a very common experience for readers like to really like invest yeah. in what is coming next in my book? Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of it. And then the other thing was action, which is somebody's going to die, right? Like, <laughs> right. So I was like, I mean, for me these days, like when I think about like books that we've read recently that that we on Fated Mates have read over the last few years that have been unputdownable for me because of that, I'm I'm filling that bucket with like Millivane, yes. Heart of Blood and Ashes, or White Out. Um, Adriana era uh, right. yeah, Adriana Anders's White Out. So action, that's I guess dying. And then the third is like and this is where I wanted bucket all the series that I really love because it's also about world building mm, for me. Like okay. the series itself becomes unputdownable when I finish and I just immediately download the next one. Yes. I, I think that that is a big part of it too. Yeah. I didn't – one of the things that's funny is – and I know that if you are not a rereader, what I'm going to now say is going to sound probably literally insane, but mm-hmm. – um, Sometimes a book I know so well is unputdownable, like a re on a reread, because I know I have picked it to deliver the exact reading experience that I need at that moment in time. Yes. I mean, like, I cannot read The Bride by Julie Garwood without reading mm-hmm. The Bride by Julie Garwood, right? Like, it is, yeah. even though I've read it probably a hundred times, it just... It's like that it just sweeps me away. And I think that there's and I know that I don't we're not gonna I think talk a whole lot about re like rereads here, but I I do think that there's something so deeply comforting about a book that I know is not gonna mess with me. Right? Well, yeah. I mean like an old friend. Yeah, right, right exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. All right. So where do you wanna start? So I'm going to start actually with uh, the book I recently read in the past week where I stayed up past my bedtime. Ooh. Right? Like sort of because I was like, okay, unputdownable literally means like I know I should sleep right now and I cannot. Right? And I think the thing that 
push this button for me, it was, it's really hot. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Of the three, I was kind of like, why would this? But I also think it was like deeply, like really emotional. And the book is Return All by Eve Dangerfield. Oh, I love Eve. She's talk- she is very sexy. Yeah. Well, and you know, I will also say if, if you're one of those people who's like, I don't understand why people have ambivalence about like cartoon covers. Like this book is an inferno and you look at the cover and it looks like it's like, I don't know, a sweet YA office romance. So it's, you know, I think Eve Dangerfield books are are, are really trafficking in a very specific kink, which is mm-hmm. daddy kink. And the thing that I, it also has an element of surprise, though, because when I read the premise, I was kind of like, wait, how? I will admit, right? Because I feel like a lot of the daddy books that you get right now are also age gap. So in this book, we have Derek Hardiman. And um, is like a, it's in Australia. So he's a professional soccer footy player. And he is in his late 20s. Um, but his, like, the love of his life was this woman, Mara Kennedy, who he met in high school. And they, like, essentially got seated next to each other the way teachers do. (laughs) Like, I'm going to put this troublemaker next to, like, the nicest, quietest girl in class, and she will, like, somehow modulate them, him. But Mm -hmm. instead, they became, like, instant kind of best friends and very quickly, like, instant, like, fuck buddies. Um, But they were young. She was very paranoid about getting pregnant. They were in high school still. This is not really on page. Like, all of this is told through the point of view of now, if that at all is like a deal breaker for you and I can see why it would be, just so you know, this doesn't really start with them being 17 or whatever. And what happens is um, he goes away to be a professional football player at like 18 or 19. She's still, I think, in school. And kind of he like leaves her behind and essentially kind of assumes she will always be there for him. Mm. And... It is really devastating, like, the way this all plays out. And so she, um, and and uh, and so it takes a while for all of this to unfold. I'm sort of telling it in chronological order. It doesn't happen in chronological order. So the real beginning of the book is essentially that he goes to, like, buy a house. He goes to, like, an auction to buy a house. And he gets outbid. And it turns out that this, it's he's been outbid by a, um, like, some sort of housing a nonprofit housing alliance that essentially buys houses on the market that are like millions of dollars and then turns them into like public housing. And people are really outraged about this. Like, how dare these poor people get this house I wanted? And it turns out that Mara is the one behind this. And he, she was, they were dirt poor growing up. So how is she essentially now, she has like $500 million, right? And he is a multi-million dollar, like, but she has way more money and power than him now. And when he figures out that that Mara is his Mara, mm. he is instantaneously like, where have you been? How did you disappear? I came back to look for you and you were gone. And for eight years, now they're in their late 20s, I had no idea where you were. And she was like, get lost. I don't want anything to do with you. And the entire fucking book is you trying to figure out how Mara got to be a multimillionaire, why she left, what he did, right? And then how they are going to like, it is... 
I literally could not put this book down. And it's super hot. And like the their like perfectly calibrated like sexual needs mm-hmm. that they sort of started developing when they were 18, but then like went divergent ways and are kind of now back again. This entire book, like I literally, Sarah, could not put it down. I stayed up all night reading it and I haven't done that in a really long time. That's awesome. This week's episode of Fate of Mates is sponsored by Avon Books, publishers of Julianne Long's You Were Made to Be Mine. Sarah, I love this forbidden romance. Yeah, get it. Exactly. So uh, British former spymaster Christian Hawkes has been hired by essentially like his enemy, the Earl of Brundage, to find his runaway fiance, Orly Capet. I love a runaway fiance. Get the hell away from that terrible man. And, of course, it helps when the man you've been hired by you cannot stand. But you know what? He's going to do the spy business and go find her. And these two go on the run together, discover shocking secrets. Do they fall in love? You know they do. There could be no future <laughs> without vanquishing the past. And Orly and Christian are going to figure this out and take down the Earl of Brundage with them. Woohoo! Perfect. You can find You Were Made to Be Mine in print, in ebook, or in audio on shelves right now. You can also follow Julianne Long at Julianne Long on Twitter, at Julianne Long Author on Instagram, or visit her website, JulianneLong.com. Thanks to Avon Books for sponsoring the episode. Well, I have an all-nighter, too, and honestly... I read it so long ago that I'm actually not sure that we've never talked about it, but I don't think we've talked about it recently. Okay. Um, if we had, we talked about it in like the first Rockstar romance book, but I don't, I don't actually think we did. My book is called Take Me Home Tonight by Erica Kelly. It's from, it was published in 2016, um, back in the days when Berkeley was still putting out mass markets. Um, and the heroine is a private chef. So, you know, love that. Are. Sure. Get ready. Like, this is my personal thing. The hero is, um, was, did have this kind of, um, he was on this, like, superstar trajectory as a rock star. He was in this, like, kind of early stages rock band that was just starting to get to, like, pick up momentum. And his brother, prior to the book starting, has he died several years earlier of a drug overdose um, at a music festival. So, like, souring this hero on, like, all the festival, concert, like, that whole world. Um, but he is a skilled musician. This is all he knows how to do. So he is now um, a – he, like, gets a job as a studio musician for this, like, massive rock band out on the east end of Long Island for the summer. It's actually a perfect read for you right now if you're, like, looking for – something that will bring you to like the Hamptons. (laughs) So the east end of Long Island is where the Hamptons are, but um, it's in like the quiet part of the Hamptons. And so this band has this like massive house on like a working farm, I seem to recall. Like fine, it's fine. And they like record in the barn. So it's probably not a working farm, to be honest. Anyway, so they hire, but bands have private chefs because someone needs to feed them food. Um, And she gets, uh, you know, she, like, she wants to prove herself to her parents. There's a lot going on. Um, And she goes out to this farm as the private chef. 
And this is grumpy sunshine. Mm. Like if you guys are looking for grumpy sunshine, this book will hit the spot. Calix, the hero, is like real quiet, has is like very burdened with a lot of like guilt over his brother, but also like he's managing the emotions of his parents. Um, and everything is just very difficult for him emotionally, and he does not want to feel feelings. So he is very shut down and buttoned up. And she is like, Mimi is like this beaming ray of like sunshine optimism. And the two of them, and he just can't ultimately, like he's just, it's water torture. <laughs> optimism torture for him. <laughs> I love it. And so, but he's like scared for a lot of reasons to love. We love a hero. I love a hero like that. Um, and what I love about this book, the reason why it is, I seem, I recall it being, very sexy, although it's not erotic. So. Although your Garden Variety 2016 contemporary romance was probably pretty hot. Pretty Compared sexy. to what we get now. Right. It has a huge cast of characters and, like, all these rock stars are sort of teed up for their own books. And I'll be honest, I don't remember, like, how many of them. I don't think this series lasted for very long, but it should have. And the book is just so... It's it hits that emotion piece like I you just feel so emotionally invested in these characters and in their journey and in their love, and I think that's really pure in a lot of ways. Like and and I sometimes like when I think about those books, like I said, that I just found unputdownable because I just could. I, I remember staying up all night. This is the book you've talked about this too on the podcast, but like. This is the book that I, the first book I stayed up all night reading after I had a baby. Yes. Like, yes. I think it was like, I read it in late 2015 and like, you know, that's a yes. big, that's a big say. Yeah. <laughs> saying a lot when you have a toddler. <laughs> right. So, Cause um, you're like, I should be sleeping right now, but I, I have to know. It, I got to finish yeah. it. I love these characters. So that is Take Me Home Tonight by Erica Kelly. Nice. Nice. This is nice, Sarah. It is nice. I like talking about books that we've never talked about. Or if we've never talked about it, if we've, you know, if it's been a long time. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of books, you guys. <laughs> I know. Like, I literally had to go back to, like, my spreadsheet. I was like, I'm going to actually go back and look oh, and see what I was reading. A spreadsheet? I used art, to. Of what we talk about? No, of what I personally read. Oh. But I've, I've kind of been falling down on the job. Sure. It's fine. I got it's it. Tough, tough times. Okay. So I want to talk now about um, Surprise Me. And what I mean by that is, um, and again, I no shade, right? Like we all read romance for the HEA and that journey is always different. But there are books that still have the capacity on the journey to truly make me be like, what is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And when I get that feeling, that is another road to unput downable because I literally must know what is going to happen. Um, yes. And so this this is actually a duet um, recommended to me by our friend Julie, um, and it's called it's a dark romance. Um, and it, the first one is called Staying in Vegas, and the second one is called Sinning in Vegas. Maybe it's the other way around. Doesn't matter. You'll know when you go. And these are by Sam Mariano is the author's name. Mm -hmm. So in book number one, Laurel is our heroine, and she's one of two point of view characters. The other one is Rafe. She has had 
off page before the book started, a like torrid weekend affair with this guy, Rafe Morelli, who is, you know, some kind of gangster in Vegas. Her sister, I guess, probably had her own book in an earlier series about this Morelli family. And Laurel, although she is, I think, still in college, is pregnant. And she feels like she has to do the right thing and go to Vegas and tell Rafe that she is pregnant. And he's, like, super excited to see her again until she tells him that she's pregnant. And then he, like, completely disconnects. He's like, nope, no thanks. And, you know, it really, at that moment as a reader, I was like, this book is really playing with me because there are so many ways we have sort of been, like, romance, you know, trains us to expect a certain sort of things of that that outcome. So she ends up getting picked up by his, uh, like, second-in-command, this guy named Sin. Mm. Name is Destiny, Sarah. Sure, and, sure. I love it. That's a that's a hero name. Right? And Sin figures out that uh, she's pregnant and is that Rafe has been a jerk and is like, well, he's going to really come to regret that, so I'm going to do whatever I can to keep you here until mm. Rafe, like, kind of comes to his senses, And the entire first book, then, is there is this totally undeniable attraction between Laurel and Sin. But Uh romance has trained you to believe that Rafe is going to be the hero. Yeah, because he showed up on the page first. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this book and the one next, the, the second one, are instead all about Sin becoming the real hero. Like, she ends up, I mean, okay, like, spoiler alert, whatever. She ends up with sin. How long does it take before you're like, all right, it's happening? It, it Here's the part that I thought was fascinating. The entire time you're kind of rooting for him to be with sin, your inner romance reader is, like, warning you that you are doing something wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I kind of think the sin guy is better for her. You know, in a dark romance fucked up way, to be clear. But... Everything I know about romance tells me that she's going to end up with Rafe, so why am I rooting for this thing to happen, right? That's really clever. It is incredibly clever. And I feel like, so it's truly in some ways like a love triangle, which I do not necessarily approve of in adult romance. I have no interest in that. So Mm -hmm. the fact that this book, this series of books, right, got me that on the hook, right? It Mm -hmm. really essentially like... It's like took advantage of all of the ways romance works to to play with me as a reader. It it kind of felt like, I'm going to say this, it it felt like the romance equivalent of like the usual suspects, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, So you get to the end and you're like, oh shit, I played myself because I went in expecting X, Y, Z thing to happen. Sure. Right? And I, so I don't want to give too much more away except to tell you that the ending of book one where she and Sin have this essentially like, what the hell is going on? Like, where she's like, why did you even keep me here? And when he tells her like what he was doing and what his plan was, I was like, I am going to kill this motherfucker. Right? Yeah. And he does not become a point of view character until book two. So every, it's, it is honestly, so this was an example of a book that like really, I think, like when I say surprised me, Mm -hmm. it surprised me. And I read one and then read two. They're both on Kindle Unlimited. So I guess I broke my cliffhanger 
rule. I guess this is the well, other book I read. because it was so surprising. Yeah. I was literally yeah. like, huh, whoa, yeah. what's about to happen? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So that's really interesting because I don't have a love triangle, like a edging up on a love triangle book on here, but I do have a book that surprised me a whole lot with, well, you know, it just swings for the fences. Yeah. And like, I couldn't put it down. So, um, in our medicine man interstitial, (laughs) like healthcare worker interstitial back at the beginning of the pandemic, thank you healthcare workers for all you have done to keep us all safe over the past few years. Um, I talked about Jana Astin's wrong, which is literally about a college student and her gynecologist. So pretty I wrong. Mean, like, fine. It's fine. Set it aside. You know, truth and advertising though tells you right there and right set it there. aside. That's the title. <laughs> in wrong, there is like a kind of wacky best friend who is like just big chaotic energy. Um, and she's delightfully fun. Um, and throughout wrong, she is like has a really big crush on this boy, this man who is also at school with them and um, basic and such a crush. Like she, she has such chaotic energy that she's basically throughout the first book in the series saying things like, Oh, it's fine to his face. Like, Oh, it's fine. You know, someday, like it's going to be us. It's always, it's going to be us together in the end. Right. And he's like, we are not going to be together. <laughs> like we're not going to be together. Yeah. And so, um, so obviously right is the second book in the series and it comes out and I was very excited to read it because I thought, oh, it's going to be great. Like it's, she's going to be leading him on this like merry ragged chase. Right. And suddenly he's going to have to realize like, oh, she was right all along. Right. Right. So, um, the book is structured in a really, really interesting way. And, uh, the way that it is structured is you have her, it is her story. She is the heroine. You are told she's the heroine. Um, there's a POV. There's a lot going on in interesting POV too with this book because it has to keep a secret from the reader, right? So, um, it begins and you are sort of led to believe that she she is like, he is the one, this boy who does not love me, who like is really kind of seems a little terrified of my energy, like is very into me or will someday be very into me. And I am very into him and we are destined to be. And it is intercut with what you might call interstitial chapters. Nice. Of her being driven in a car. She's in the passenger seat of a car at night with a man. Mm -hmm. And so you are like, this is clearly the person, like, the hero. Like, this is, and this is, you are, this man is not named. Like, and you sort of have this vibe that, like, these are, this is, like, this really intense car ride where the two of them are, like, falling for each other. Like, it's clear that, like, they're, these two people have, like, massive amounts of chemistry. And so you're like, oh, this is great. This is the heroine falling for, fi- like, he's finally seeing that she's great. And then about, I don't know, a third of the way through, you're reading one of these chapters and you're like, hang on a second. <laughs> this is not him. I'm not sure this is him. And then you're, then it's, like, a big mystery. Who is this man in the car who is dead sexy yeah right like an absolute 10 as the internet likes to talk about people <laughs> yes but also like clearly not this person who romance has taught me is the one right right so um again so i mean if that's your vibe 
I really, really cannot recommend Jan Aston's Right Enough. I think it is really remarkably well done. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that I've read many, many Janet Aston books, and I think this could be her best. For me, is her best because it's just so... Yeah, I've never, mind-blowing. I had never seen it done before. And in romance... Yeah, that's saying something, right? Surprise me, though, by the way, does not have to be quite as big as the surprises we have just said. I was just sort of thinking, like, when I say surprise me, what does that really mean? I mean, sometimes surprise me is just like this goes away I didn't expect or whatever. But I will say this is... Blood blowjob, if you will. Yes, could be very exactly. Surprising. Exactly. Could be surprise, <laughs> And that, uh, you told me to read that. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Let me do it. <laughs> so, um, okay. So let me talk about my third bucket, which is someone's going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I will admit, I don't really actually have the nervous system for someone's going to die all the time. If I did, I'd read nothing but romantic right, suspense. I'm going to pause, though. Can we talk about London Has Fallen? Oh, yeah. All right. Listen, we're going to have a pause. We're pausing for a break to talk about Gerard Butler. <laughs> And Aaron Eckhart. Fine. I'm sorry, you guys. We have to. It's important. Yes, it is. Look, if you're looking for something mindless and delightful, where beautiful people blow things up. Yeah. And run around. This is for you. Yeah. Yeah. Jen. So Sarah told me, and I, you know, I, as everyone knows, I'm not really a big watcher. And um, listen, it's been a rough couple of It weeks, has right? been, right? Because we sort of been, we've known today was coming. We've sort of been like easing into it. We didn't know it was going to feel as bad as it did. We felt like, oh, maybe it'll like, we'll slowly be, you know, peeling the Band-Aid off. Yeah, right. No, it it didn't help. But, but that night. <laughs> yes, I was like, I need something mindless to watch. And you were like, I have something for you. It is called London Has Fallen. It is the second in a series where Gerard Butler saves Aaron Eckhart, who's very President Aaron Eckhart. Yes. From (laughs) Who has a real like string of bad luck, it seems like. I haven't read I haven't seen that first one. I haven't either. It was I told I told Sarah, I was like, look, my major you know, these talk about handsome men and things blowing up. I mean, everything blew up. Um, in this a movie. A whole city. Yeah. The entire city. It's really, the special effects. This is an Academy. This was, this should have been an Academy Award winning. I feel like the Oscars, like, yeah. they were robbed. I guess I would say, like, here's, I will, I want to put a caveat on it. It's, it is like a terrible movie where, like, the bad guys are, like, Muslim terrorists, right? Like, that part, I am so over. So, you know, if you are sensitive to that, please. Yeah, it's an action movie made in 2014. Yeah, like, sure. and so, like, all the baggage all the content warnings that comes with that. it. This is not a movie that passes the Bechdel test in any way. Oh. Right? No. <laughs> what is the Bechdel test? What are women, you know? A little... Oh, wait, no, but Tom Hardy's wife is in it, and she's pretty badass. That, okay, but remember, the Bechdel test is they have to be named, and they have to talk to another woman about something other than a man, and she's oh, well, in it. And Angela Bassett, is it Angela Bassett, isn't it? Yes, but there are no... They don't talk to each other. Well, there's a whole Angela Bassett plot line that, like, I'm just pretending doesn't exist. The point is, you guys, you can't expect much from these movies, but what you can expect is many, many, many explosions, including, like, Westminster Abbey. Oh, yeah, God, everything. Tower 
Bridge. <laughs> like all London, sorts of, essentially. Like yeah. all of London. Um, and then Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart like survive a helicopter crash. Sure. And then they're on the run. At some point I texted Sarah because she was like, text me as you're watching it. I was like, they are still running in their suits and ties. <laughs> they are. She was like, they're professionals, Jennifer. Jen. Come on. Uh, Listen, yeah. if, if um, Secret Service movies have taught me anything, it's that, like, all Secret Service agents know how to run quickly in dress shoes. Yeah, they do. They do. They're what, – what a man. What a man that Gerard Butler is. Putting on, like, a kind of a bad fake American accent. I mean, the whole oh. thing is – chef's kiss did you like the fact that like then there was a guy who came in and he was actually scottish and i was like that must have been very complicated acting for gerard butler (laughs) (laughs) having to be an american talking to Uh, one of his countrymen i know a plus oscars all around if it was me if i was in the academy i want the alternate reality where london has fallen wins the oscar yeah um who is it that plays the vice president um, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, and he gets I mean, he gets to chew some scenery. It's great. Listen, Morgan Freeman in the third one is the president. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I'm gonna have to watch that. And the third one involves Gerard Butler going to prison, like he's being framed, sure. killing the president. It's all very complicated, especially because for the last two, I think Gerard Butler's resume is basically like Gerard Butler, president saver. <laughs> Gerard oh, Butler, like, Spartan killer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And then now the people in this movie think he wants to kill the president, which... It was amazing. Listen, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. So I do enjoy handsome men Someone blow things die. up. Right. But it is hard for me because I, like, I get too excited. Like, I get too nervous. What's going to happen? Yeah. So someone might, die. someone might die. But I will tell you, the to me, the queen of the Someone Might Die books, like, there's a million of them, and she always delivers, is Rebecca Zanetti. Mm, that's a good wreck. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Leanne Hart, author of the book Darling Descent. So this is a romance novel that really reads like a psychological thriller. The heroine of this book, Kenna, is a curious undergrad who's really excited about um, doing a mentorship with Dr. Dayton Marino, a university psychiatrist. So already, you guys, like, we're in the forbidden love power imbalance territory here. But when she shows up at his office to basically make this request to him, she realizes that he's familiar because she has seen him, this, like, hot dude with scars and dark eyes, um, coming out of the confessional of ahead of Christmas Eve mass. So she learns pretty quickly that this guy has some dark truths and there's like a tangled web of strange behavior allegedly with former patients. Right. And the whole question is, is she going to be his assistant or is she his next subject? So if you are a dark romance reader or into like these kind of real power imbalance or taboo books, it sounds like this one is perfect for you. So you um, can find Darling Descent in print and ebook and it is also available in KU. Thanks to Leanne for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. So Rebecca Zanetti, in particular, if you're looking, there are three different series I've read bits and pieces of. I don't even know if I've read these old series because it's just like I see it on BookBub and then I'm like, oh, yeah, Rebecca Zanetti. One series is called The Scorpius Syndrome. 
Um, this one's a little, I don't think I've read this since the pandemic because a plague basically wipes out North America. And it's like about the first oh, one is, rough. sure. The first one is, um, there's like these camps essentially that rise up that are like groups of survivors, kind of like remaking society. That feels a little real for right now, but I enjoyed mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed those. Then there's a series called the Blood Brothers series. And these dudes essentially were, like, made into super soldiers by evil government minions. And then they are trying to, like, both avenge themselves and make sure that those bad people cannot be doing that to other people. I like that series. And then she has another one called the Deep Ops series, which is, like, Band of Misfits. Gets, you know, the FBI agrees to put this one guy in charge of this band of misfits for a year while they track down a serial killer that everyone thinks is dead, but the head guy thinks is still alive. And all three of these series by Rebecca Zanetti are like just what the doctor ordered when it's like, because mm-hmm. it's she, romantic suspense can be really hard for me. I want. romance. Like, I don't want it to be 89%. Correct. You know, it needs, I I really need a lot of romance in my romantic suspense. And I feel like she understands it's like a good, it's a good, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So, if you are like, I like to be on the edge of my seat, but still with the banging, I feel like Rebecca Zanetti is your, is, is a solid, good, delivers every time kind of wreck for me. Okay, so my next one is an Alexis Staria book that we haven't ever talked about. Ooh. Um, because, as I mean, we are on the record here at Fade of Mates as being Alexis Staria fans. We did a deep dive interstitial about, oh no, we did a deep dive episode about uh, You Have Me at Ola. And we've had Alexis on several times to talk about other things. Um, but I want to talk about Take the Lead, which is her, de- which is her debut. Yes, um, so and good. is set against a reality TV show that's a little bit, it's like Dancing with the Stars, but, um, you know, Alexis's spin on it. The heroine is um, a New York City dancer, Gina Morales, and she's been on, I don't watch Dancing with the Stars, but this, she has been like the, the like dancer half of the pair for five seasons and she keeps getting, she's like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Right. She keeps getting very close to winning and then can't win. And she is paired with, you want to talk about name is destiny. She is paired with a man named Stone Nielsen. Amazing. Now listen. Stone's parents and brothers or whatever, he's gigantic and he's from, he's an Alaskan wilderness mountain man. Mm -hmm. Uh, And his family has a TV show, a reality TV show called Living Wild. I love it. (laughs) And everybody loves him, but he hates everybody. (laughs) And... He hates Los Angeles. He hates reality television. He hates the fact that he has to do this shitty dance show. He hates that his, like, family has made him do this. And, um, like, basically he's like, all right, I'm going to get down. I'm going to get it over with. And then I'm going to go back to my life in the wilderness and never talk to another human right, again. of course. Just Alaska. That's like, it for me. with the bears. Stone, you big dummy. So, 
these two are like, so she's, but here's the thing, because it's reality TV, it's not just enough for Gina. So Gina's like, no, you can't like phone this in. I need you to win. Like my goal is for us to win. And he's like, oh, I hate everything. And then she's like, and the part of the way that we win is we lure the, we have to, like the fans have to love us. They have to get behind us, which means we have to fake a relationship. Obviously. Look, we're on the record. We have a lot of opinions about fake fake relationships here at Veda Mates, but here's a good example of one that makes perfect sense. Yes. Right? right? Because she's like, this is my goal. I'm not letting you out. Like, I want this very much for myself. And in order for me to get this, we have to convince the whole world that we're in love because then they'll be like, we want to see Gina and Stone next week and next week and next week. And so there's... Very sexy dancing. It's great. And I love this book. I just want to watch these two dummies bone all day. <laughs> all right. Okay. Since you said we could do four, I'm going to pull out everyone. There are like the books I talk about on the podcast, and then there are like the books you just like read in secret and don't tell anybody about. And never, ever talk about. Okay. Are you going to talk? I, I am What are you going to talk about? All right. <gasps> Does everybody remember the movie Secretary? Oh, with Maggie Gyllenhaal? Really no, do. this okay. is. I am really about to. I'm just. I'm opening up. A, I'm so I'm, excited. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, fun, you are it's gonna, almost season five, and this yeah. doesn't happen to me very much. Okay, either. you're like, Whoo, I'm surprising you, Sarah. Okay, my do body you, is ready. Do, is it though? Do you remember the movie Secretary with Maggie I mean, Gyllenhaal James and James Spader? Spader? Is, yeah, yeah, he is like liquid sex in that movie. Yeah. Okay. So and weirdly, like how? But okay. And yes. yeah, right. And this is a movie I remember when I people told me about it. I was like, no way, that's going to be sexy. And then I was like, oh, this is sexy as hell. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that sometimes makes a book unputdownable is when it taps into a vibe from, like, uh, something else you loved. Right? So I have this. These It's... <laughs> Oh my god, okay. These books were published in 2010 and then republished in 2017. It is a series. The first one is called Training the Receptionist by Juniper Bell. Have you read these? No, but Training the Training the Receptionist, Restraining the Receptionist, book two, and uh, what's one? Unleashing the Receptionist, book three. Oh my god, I love it. I know, Sarah. So listen, in the first one. No, listen, I am actually dying i'm like someone's gonna play this at my funeral and it's gonna be fine i'm gonna you know what at your funeral i'm gonna set up a copy of training the receptionist yes, you're gonna be like, on the casket i'm not sure you can buy this outside of e but fine i'm gonna use every power i have <laughs> don't worry about it mr reed romance i got it in the first book i and this is a book where i was literally like what's gonna happen i have no idea how i even came across this book right because it's not in ku you're gonna pay your three bucks each for these books that are like 100 100 pages i don't even care the main character's name is Dana Arthur, and she lives in, like, this shitty Jersey town, and she goes in t- for a job interview at this, uh, like, she doesn't even really, is not, sh- as a receptionist, she's not even sure what this company does. But this smoking hot man named Simon is the one who hires her, and he says, okay, great, come in tomorrow. And then somehow, like, I don't remember the exact details, he gives her a box, or a box re- arrives at her home, and he- and it's like, this is what you have to wear to work. And it's basically, like, sheer, like, your tits are hanging out, like, whatever, right? Sure. And she's like, this is kind of hot, so she wears it to work. 
And these two then enter into like a very secretary-like kind of thing where it's like he's giving her orders and restraining her and it's all like BDSM-y but like in a cool way. And not that it's not cool, but you know what I mean. And then the end of book one is that his partner comes back and is like, this is our new receptionist. Great. I'm going to jump on that too. And then the three of them just basically have hot, crazy monkey sex for the next two books. That's it. It is. And the whole thing is like, it's a very secretary like. It all takes place in the office where, you know, they like tie her up and have phone calls with clients while they're making her come. And it's all crazy. And you know what, Sarah? I wasn't mad about any of it. You love it. It was amazing. Yeah. So it is just real porny and real hot. Secretary, the movie in book form. That's what I'm giving you. I support you. All right. I have a historical that I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about Kerrigan Burns, The Highwayman, which somehow, shockingly, we haven't discussed. But, like, here is, over the last couple of, you know, whatever, months or over the last many episodes, we've been talking about historicals and just how, how, like, balls to the wall they can be. Like, they can just be fully extra people doing fully extra things. And The Highwayman absolutely scratches that full itch. So if you are looking for a romance novel that moves really, really fast, the pages turn so fast, it is essentially, and also a romance novel that is basically historical The Saint, Jen. Mm. I like that. Saint, See? Starring our fave Val, Val Kilmer. See? Um, there you go. You want Kerrigan Burns, The Highwayman, in which, so the heroine is in love, there are two boys, like, in this. Sure. Of course. Whatever. Right? Um, the hero, hero, so when they are children, there is, they are in a very, like, horrible, horrible orphanage run by the church. There is a terrible, terrible priest who runs this orphanage. It is as bad as you imagine. And they decide they are going to run. Okay. They're going to escape this. So we meet them on, like, the rainy, dark night where they are supposed to run. Okay? He, they are about to run. In the midst of all of this, they have, like, a, like, they're, like, 12, like, 10 or 12. And they have, two of them have a hand fasting. Like, basically, they, like, agree to marry. They they agree they are married. Like, they're children. But, like, they agree that they are married. It's very sweet. It's not weird. And then, like, they run and, like, tragedy strikes and one of them dies. The girl gets out and ends up, like, and then it cuts forward, right? The girl is out and she works for Scotland Yard and she is hunting, like, one of London's most in, like, most, like, criminal criminals. Nice. Right? And... Um, so she is hunting him and then he, and so he turns up and it turns out and he's like passed off as like, he, he shows up as the criminal and it turns out over the course of the book that he's actually not the criminal. He is the boy that she was married to. Yeah. As a child. In the hand fasting as a child. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, like, mistaken (laughs) identities. She is passing herself off as a widow. And then, like, there's a lot of, like, oh, well, you are betraying your dead husband. Like, she's, and so, you know, and she's like, don't you talk to me about my dead husband. (laughs) I 
you don't know what love is. <laughs> and he's like, and it's very Dread Pirate Roberts. I, like, uh, I love it. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, there's a lot in this book. It is, you know, Kerrigan Byrne does not pull any punches. She is, the book is like dark in places. It like goes to dark places. It's very emotional, like over the top emotions in this book. But like talk about propulsive reading we're just at the end of every chapter you're just like well I gotta know another I gotta keep going so it's amazing and then the Victorian Rebel series continues with all of these other books and there is sort of a like big question like there are all these like kind of looming questions over the course of the series of who the who all the characters are when it nets out and it's great I love it you like that kind of like Big series with mysteries that overarch multiple books and also historical, just really fun, like big historical feelings. I love it. This is for you. I love it. Amazing. Sarah. All right. Well, look, everybody needs a distraction. So read one of these. Uh I, I split. I like, I really showed you something deep in my heart today, everybody. Training the receptionist. Listen, training the receptionist. I'm going to send it to you as a wait. gift. You know what? Maybe I won't just set the book on your casket. I think maybe I'll like do a reading, like instead of from like scripture. Sure. Well, you know, romance is my scripture, and I'm not afraid to say that. It's fine. <laughs> going down. Going down with the heathens. Going Listen, down hard. We love it. All right, everybody. Um, have a great week. Check show notes for all of the organizations that we promised you at the beginning of the episode. Um, we will reiterate that we are we remain here for you, everyone. Um, as long as you're listening, we will talk. And don't forget to take our survey at vetamates.net. You can click the button that says "Take the Survey." And thank you, as always, to our sponsors this week. Um, supporting them supports us yeah so i'm gonna end with a quote from madeline lingle remember that book i love that wrinkle in time book yeah stay angry little meg this is what's it whispered you will need all your anger now